This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening and welcome to the season finale of the GPL podcast. We are here for episode number 113. Wow, it's, a, it's been a long season, boys. <laughs> well, here we are, guys. Uh, not exactly the kind of finish we wanted. Um, Gophers head out to New Hampshire, start off pretty well against Notre Dame, and then... Uh, Boy, Viggs, that uh, second period jinx uh, just kind of got him again. Yeah, you know, the, the first goal by Ogilvy really just caught Shearhorn uh, off balance, I think, a little bit, uh, surprised him. And then the next one on the line change, uh, you know, just really surprised him. You know, tough, tough, tough way to go in the second period. The, the, the breakout pass by Peterson always a good reminder that first four checker has to stay on the ice to keep that from happening. Let the other four guys change and then get off the ice. Well, he, he you know, he came down the, the the right side of the ice and he sniped a nice shot and got Notre Dame into the game. Uh, Hammy before then Notre Dame hadn't really been doing anything. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, it doesn't take a lot, especially in those, you know, that middle period, it kind of tends to be a momentum swinger for the Gophers this year and uh, kind of bit them again. And, you know, what can you say? I mean, it's just, it was an unfortunate trend this year. And, um, you know, I think the guys fought pretty hard throughout the game. It just, um, you know, Notre Dame happened to make a couple more plays and we didn't capitalize on a few at the end. And that was that, you know, and, and that's the way it is in one and done situations. And that's kind of how it's been for the last few years. You know, a lot of people are, you know, I could see from the Twitter questions coming towards us that, you know, obviously the fans are pretty frustrated. Um, you know, we haven't made that step or, you know, it's getting, or as Eric Carlson just asked, he goes, your feelings on the alleged staleness expressed around the fan, uh, the fan base, you know, early exits, Ofer and regionals outside of Minnesota and whatnot. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, a lot of fans are just, just not happy right now, Viggs. Well, I think it's disappointing when you have a one seed loses a four seed. But in reality, this isn't really a game where it's one of the top teams in the country against one of the bottom teams that barely makes it into the tournament. You know, all all the teams in the NCAA hockey tournament are good. And Minnesota played a, a nice game against Notre Dame through the first 30 minutes. You know, they out-attempted Notre Dame um, 68-45. Um, you look at the leading shot attempt guys, Clues had eight. Terry had nine. You know, those guys had chances during the game to extend the lead and stretch it out. Uh, Peterson just stepped up to the challenge and, and met the Gophers. I don't think this is one of those games where Minnesota necessarily played badly. Notre Dame played well. And as you can see on Sunday, they went on to get into the Frozen Four. And I know the expectation is for the Gophers to get there, but it's not easy. And that's why they haven't been there since Clues was a freshman. 
Yeah, it, it it's definitely not easy. And uh, you know, before we go on, I, I just want to say, if you guys, live listeners, have questions for us, just use the Twitter hashtag uh, GPL Podcast, or if you happen to be in the Mixler chat, like Tom says, um, you can just send something there as well, so I can see it from there. Um, boy, well, we talk about that staleness, uh, Hammy. Um, is it is it getting stale? Is the coaching staff getting stale, or are the fans getting stale? What some what's going on here? Well, I mean, I don't think I think you'd get the same kind of attitude after any season ending <laughs> loss. I mean, I don't care True. if it had been, you know, five years ago or whatever. I mean, before the WCHA people were complaining about, you know, these kinds of situations. I don't blame them. It's frustrating to a degree, but I mean, that's kind of the nature of one and done situations. And, um, I don't, I think people always are looking for reasons and scapegoats and is it this trend or that trend or whatever, but at the end of the day, I just think you have to realize it's a one-and-done situation. You're playing another good team, um, and it's not going to be a piece of cake every year. And it's certainly not like it was back in the Holy Cross days where you know you kind of automatically expect to win a one-versus-four situation. And these days, uh, it's a little bit more depth, and um, there aren't really any easy outs anymore. There definitely aren't any easy outs. I mean, uh, unfortunately, Minnesota was the only – the only number one seed uh, to lose right off the bat against the four seed, but uh, it is becoming much more common ever since the Holy Cross thing. Holy Cross was a legit upset, but since then, you know, the really there has been quite a bit of parity in the NCAA tournament leagues. Yeah, I, every year the four seed comes out on top in, in one of the regions. It just happened to be Minnesota this time. You know, looking back at the weekend. You know, some of the number one seeds did get in a little bit of trouble. Even UMD got into a little trouble uh, with their first game. Um, so it, it can happen, and those teams got in troubles in the region finals as well. You know, it's a it's a tough game, especially when you have teams who kind of get into the tournament by being super disciplined. You know, you saw against Minnesota, North, Notre Dame didn't really put themselves in too many bad situations down the stretch. You know, they weren't giving up a lot of odd man rushes because all the teams that make the tournament, they're, they're playing good hockey. Um, so it, I thought this was a pretty good roster makeup for Minnesota this year. Uh, we, we did see in games, you know, down the stretch where there wasn't the focus that the, the fans want, but you know, it was kind of a throwaway game that Saturday against Michigan state and then the big 10 tournament, those games didn't have a lot on the line, but you saw a lot of games throughout the entire season where they were able to respond in the third period and pull out games that, you know, in the past couple of years, we haven't seen them do. So I thought this was a, a pretty good roster top to bottom. They had good guys, you know, who developed over their careers at the U guys like Clouse and Letary who are undrafted, just signed pro deals this week. You know, that's important for a, a college hockey program to have guys like that. A lot of the teams that are in the tournament, they have those undrafted guys who've developed over the four years. Um, well, you, you talk about those two guys signed. I believe uh, Bischoff also signed as well, didn't he? Yep, he was a seventh-round pick uh, by the Islanders, and he definitely has developed into a nice player that you know they didn't expect to get probably when they drafted him. You know, he's an All-American-type defenseman and a very steady you know, defensive pair-type guy who has some offense and good breakout skills. You know, every every deep pair you have, you, you need to have one guy who's a little flashier and one guy who's dependable. 
and he can be your dependable guy, I think, in at least the AHL next year. Uh, so those are the seniors that are starting to sign. You know, there might be a couple more. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, we've got uh, what's going to happen to the under, underclassmen here, Hammy? I mean, we got Jess asking, and actually Jeff Gaspard asking. Uh, you know, Jess wants to know from the Mixler chat who might uh, our early departures be. And very similar, Jeff uh, Gaspard from Twitter. Have you heard anyone expected to leave early this year, like Smatula or Collins? Um, obviously, you know, our biggest fear is Sheehy, but uh, it, is it sounding like Sheehy's going to hang around? And what's going on with some of these other players? Do we know anything yet? Well, I mean, I think it's one of those things, and I always say this on GPL or wherever, I never really believe anything that you see in the media one way or the other. I mean, um, I think people, fans, tend to read too much into what's said in the media. Now, what's said behind the scenes, I tend to buy a little more. Um, and I know that, you know, from what I've heard, it's looking like she, he is likely to return. Um, I think a lot, you know, there's some question with some people, but, uh, I've heard from a couple different people, you know, that have had discussions with his camp that sounds uh, pretty likely that he's coming back. So, you know, you don't know what's going to happen over the next, what, you know, six months, but, uh, it sounds pretty good there. I know we heard Russo on the Twitter talk about, Collins potentially being signed, um, you know, so, uh, you know, to me, uh, while I don't want to lose a senior defenseman, you know, I, I think we can live with that one a little more. Uh, I do think he improved this year and certainly, you know, I, I'm sure he would have a pretty good senior year if he does come back, but um, he's not one of those two-way star players that you're going to count on in all situations. He's more of a limited kind of defensive defenseman that, might pitch in a little offense here or there, but he's not anything you're going to count on on both ends next year. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, those will be the two biggest ones. I don't think that um, Zmatula is really, because of his size, is not really one of those guys that's a prototypical free agent target. And I don't know that he had a good enough year to really justify that. Um, so I don't think it'd really be those two, you know, Sheehy and Collins. And uh, I think that, Sheehy's likely to return, and Collins, I don't know. Sounds like it's kind of 50-50 there. I think I just heard also today something that, that Johnson's definitely staying or something like that. I thought on Twitter somewhere. Um, yeah, no, it said on GPL. Oh, there you go. Somebody yeah. quoted something on that. Uh, but, you know, there's another <laughs> one where it's like, how big of a loss is that? I mean, you know, it's a depth thing. but Definitely a depth um, thing. These guys haven't really – I mean, I said this on GPL, and we can, well, I'm sure we'll get into it, but um, to me this year – when I think of great goal for teams, I think of teams that had two, three really good two-way defensemen that you could pretty much count on, like Vig said a little bit ago, like on in each pairing. And um, I think the Gophers this year, they had Bischoff and they had a couple guys that have the makings of that, but they're probably still a little bit young yet. And, you know, frankly, the guys that are kind of in that junior class haven't done enough to like we had hoped. I mean, Collins, you didn't really expect that from, but Glover, obviously, we know – didn't really hasn't really developed and probably won't ever develop to that level. And Johnson hasn't gotten to that level either. So those are the guys that I think kind of hurt more than anything is when you get those upperclassmen that you kind of at one time counted on for some offense coming from the blue line and they really haven't provided it to the level that you thought they might. Um, boy, let's hit some more uh, Twitter questions here. John Candells wants to know, is it fair for everyone to be attacking Lucia and blame the playoff losses on him. What do you think, Viggs? Is it fair to go after Lucia? 
Well, he certainly makes enough money where, you know, that's where the finger goes. Um, You know, the criticism is going to come with the job. The fans of Minnesota expect this team to be in the Frozen Four pretty much every year. You know, there's a lot of staleness because of the move to the Big Ten. There's staleness because they instituted scholarship seating. You know, there's staleness because there's a lot of no-shows in the arena. You know, a lot of that blame has to go somewhere, and a lot of people will point at Lucia. I don't know if all of it's deserved. I think a lot of it's, you know, the fans that just want to be upset about something, and so that's where they pick. They pick a guy from Notre Dame who wasn't recruited by Minnesota, you know, not an M guy. Um, I don't think it's all on him that the players, you know, don't come through. I thought this year's game was very close. It could have gone either way, and I don't blame the players necessarily either. Can't win them all. Yeah, you can't. Uh, what do you think about that, Hammy? Is it all on Chia? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I get, I mean, I understand that we all want to have things that we can point to and make the easy, you know, diagnosis of what the problem was, but I don't think that there's, um, I don't think it's really, it's not like, you know, the coach forgot how to coach. Um, if You might be able to make the argument that the messages get a little, um, old and maybe you kind of need somebody with a fresh outlook, maybe a fresh strategy. Um, and I've been saying for the last couple of years that I do believe that the Gophers need to start thinking um, and planning for that because I, I just think Lucia is kind of getting to that point. However, um, I certainly don't blame him for um, the loss. I think, you know, the players play and they have to execute and, um, you know, I, Ultimately, you could have the greatest strategy in the world, but if the players don't execute it, it doesn't really matter. You can be a great coach. And, um, you know, I think the fans talk about passion and work ethic and this and that, all these kind of intangible things. And, um, like, I saw some people questioning that on GPL, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, this team came back from deficits this year. They they were work hard. They're high-character guys. They didn't get into trouble. Um I don't think anybody would question the work ethic of guys like uh, Sheehy and Kloos and, uh, you know, Bristad is a hard worker. I mean, there's a lot of good hardworking guys out there. And just because they don't execute doesn't mean they don't have heart. doesn't mean they don't try hard. It just that sometimes it just doesn't happen to be your day. So, yeah, I kind of think Hammy Hammy was pretty right on with the defenseman, not having the dynamic players that we're used to. You know, we look at the defenseman and, they just, and it's not necessarily the recruiting fault in Minnesota. It's almost like they needed to go outside their usual recruiting base to get somebody more dynamic. And I'm not sure who that would have been, but I don't think they had any defensive misses in Minnesota the last couple of years recruiting. Well, I mean, you know, people like to say, well, what about this guy? What about that guy? But, you know, they tend to forget that recruiting a lot of time is about timing as well. And it's a matter of, you know, what do you have for scholarship room? Uh, who, you know, what do you have for availability? I mean, we all know that there's going to be good players that end up at other schools, you know, at UMD or St. Cloud or North Dakota or wherever. And uh, um, some of that's, you know, occasionally it's, hey, we they just got the, they out-recruited us on a particular player. It might be that. Usually it's something else, you know. It could be timing. It could be. Uh, maybe they preferred another guy and they just made the wrong choice. I mean, there's a lot of different things. Um, but I really think that that's the problem that I've seen 
Um, this year, uh, and I like I said, I think a couple guys in particular, they probably were counting on long ago, and it just didn't pan out for them, and doesn't look like it's going to. And uh, especially when they're upperclassmen, that's when it really hurts. Uh, you don't necessarily expect guys to come in as freshmen, for instance, and be a dominant force. I mean, it's nice. It's not like it's impossible, but um, it's usually those upperclassmen guys that don't quite develop the way you want that uh, those are the ones that really sting. Tim Hapke wants to know who has more heart, Hammy, Vigo, or myself? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> not me. Definitely not me. We're going to go with you, Vigo. You have the most heart of the, just, of the entire team. Just on raw size, I think I, I'm you know, <laughs> the largest individual. So that would be maybe a slightly larger heart. Yeah, I just I just saw that question, and since we were talking about it, I thought I'd, I'd throw Tim's out there. Tim's been throwing a lot of questions to us this year, so uh, we're going to go with Vigo, Tim. He's the guy with the most heart. So well, you know, we've got this uh, empty coaching job in uh, Omaha right now, and and is there any interest in Mister Gensel, uh, Hammy? Is this his chance to finally kind of? you know, get out there and be a head coach in the college ranks? You know, I don't know. It, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it, if he, like, obviously they, you saw what happened with Hastings, so you're getting a 10-year contract thrown at him by Mankato, and I think it's safe to say that a decent chunk of that is going to be because they're concerned about losing him to another school like Omaha. So, um, you know, I don't know – I think that it's gotten to the point where you don't know because it's like, well, Lucia's essentially, I mean, granted it's not his decision, but you know, he's touting him in the paper as the guy he'd like to see get the next opportunity at the U and um, grant, you know, and he's been around forever. So um, he's had other opportunities if, and I, you know, I don't know how hard he's pursued some of them. So um, it might be that he's waiting for that. And I, you know, with some of these struggles, people talk about, you know, is the message stale and is it, well, if, why would you hire the assistant then if it's a message thing or whatever? But I think everybody knows that Coach Gensel is a different coach than Coach Lucia. And um, he's definitely, an, he's an M man. He's definitely very passionate about the program. Not that Lucia isn't, but it's just kind of a different, I think, coaching perspective. Obviously, he left once and it's because he did have some different perspectives and he wasn't afraid to um, kind of voice those things. He's not just a yes man, so... Um, I think it's safe to say that if he did become coach here, he would have a a different strategy, a different perspective, and it wouldn't just be regurgitating what Lucia has been doing. So, um, so I don't know. I don't know what's on his mind. Uh, he, he'd be a good candidate there, certainly, but uh, I don't know if he's just got his heart set on here and doesn't want to doesn't want to take a chance anywhere else. And hey, if you lose, you go away and lose. Uh, you're not exactly making your case to come back and be the head coach here. So, uh, there's, you know, there's a strategy behind it if you're in his shoes, too. Well, uh, he would also have that uh, out of his contract, just like Blaze did, won't he, if he were to go to Omaha? Well, I'm sure he would. But <laughs> and, well, and if you think about it, though, I mean, no, not who – these contracts are not ironclad anyway. I mean, you might, you might have buyouts or things like that, but – it's not like you don't see college coaches in different sports not change addresses, you know what I mean, just because they have a contract. So um, I think that that gets a little bit overblown too. That's true. 
Paul uh, in the Mixler chat wants to know when the when Lucia finally retires slash is let go, should a program like you or like the you hire a coach with no head coaching experience? No, <laughs> it's too it's way too important of a of a job. It would never fly. I mean, let's be honest. Fans have expectations of the team, but they also have expectations that if they're going to bring in a head coach, it's going to be some guy that's you know a well-known entity or showing a lot of success as a head coach somewhere else. This isn't the program that's going to be taking the, the risks on you know a relatively unproven you know guy. They're going to expect somebody who's got a proven track record, um, you know, at some other program or maybe on the pro level or whatever. Um, that's going to be the expectation, and I think that's the right expectation to have. Well, we've got a bunch more questions to get to here, but uh, first, you know, we've had some good news and some bad news in women's hockey this week. Obviously, the good news is uh, the women are going to be playing in the in the, in the World Championships coming up this week. they got their nice, you know, much better pay coming up. But then just this afternoon, uh, sadly, uh, North Dakota cut their hockey program. Um, obviously a big surprise. Um, I am not so happy the way they handled it because it got leaked long before they could play, tell the players. Um, but no matter what, Viggs, um, a program like North Dakota shutting down their women's program is not good. Yeah, it's not good for women's college hockey, that's for sure. It's, it's a program where they've gotten a lot of support, it looks like, from what I could tell based on the revenues and expenses that get released for the Title IX compliance. But it's just a surprising move by North Dakota, and you almost wonder if it's made this way knowing that they might spur change to save it. Um, I know when I was at St. Olaf, they announced uh, a plan to cut programs and the next week, they had donors lined up to save these programs. So maybe it's some sort of strategy that the school is going through to try to, to spur that action. And they saw what happened with USA Hockey this week with the, the boycott, you know, threatening the, the women's program for the World Championships, and that paid off with some moves. Maybe they're hoping the same thing will happen for their women's hockey program. Well, either way, Hammy, this news got out uh, before they informed the players. I mean, they showed players practicing out on the ice. They had a recruit coming in today. Uh, it's a pretty shitty way for these girls to find out is uh, not from the administration, but from Twitter or somewhere else. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I actually don't. I don't really agree with Viggs on that one, just because. Um, I'm not saying that there might not be some kind of a groundswell, but I don't think it's a strategy that they're taking to actually try to make that happen. I think it's a situation where they actually intend on doing this. I don't see why, because you're really going to damage the program in some respects, because the minute that you make any recruits or any players um, start to think like, well, is this going to be even around, you know, throughout my four years at college and whatever, it's going to, it's going to hurt you. And so, I'm not saying that that might not happen, but I don't. I really doubt that it's a strategy that they're trying to take because it's going to be a damaging thing. Even if it does happen to bring them back, uh, it's not going to be good for them because that kind of stuff just it's going to hurt your perception. And as far as yeah, whether they get informed correctly, I mean, I don't know enough about it. Obviously, you would think that the administration would be sitting people down in a room and telling them before starting to draft up press releases and whatever else, but. Uh, 
you know, I mean, despite the fact that some people have big job titles, <laughs> doesn't mean that they're necessarily the most intelligent at times. <laughs> well, I definitely feel bad for those girls because uh, it sounds like kind of a freight train just hit them and uh, they, I don't think they saw it coming. They probably saw some other sports that were going to get cut. Um, I, I noticed Gopher State Nate was saying earlier today, it's, you know, maybe uh, if they wouldn't have spent so much money trying to keep the Sioux name, maybe they'd be able to afford the women's program, Viggs. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of waste up there with, with how they're spending their, their athletic department budget. But I, I, just, I just have this feeling that this isn't like the Alaska program where it's drawn out over a long, long time where, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty about the program. This is a, a sudden move, and, and maybe it's going to spur something. I think there's a lot of passion with people. You know, you even saw uh, Gersuch tweet today and have it have to get taken down that he was supporting the program. You know, I think you might see some people step up and do that. Really? I didn't know that Gersuch was saying that. Um, if they're getting support by the men's team, uh, that could get a little ugly. <laughs> well, I think they are. I mean,. I don't. They don't have an Engelstad sitting in the wings that just throw cash at it. Um, so I, you know, it'll be interesting if they had something like that. But um, well, they've I, got some pretty wealthy hockey alums like Taze and, and Parisi. You know, there's people out there who are tied to the the North Dakota hockey program who could pony up some dollars to help out if they get. Pressured. I get that, but if you're losing one, what what is it over a million dollars a year? But that's with, any, that's with any non-revenue sport. And big institutions, that, gonna, they make the not, money with their football and hockey program to pay for these other things. And I get that, but they don't have the money to do that. I mean, that's otherwise they wouldn't cut it in the first place. I mean, this isn't like a Big Ten school or some one of the Big Five conferences that can really afford to be kind of subsidizing all these different programs or whatever, I mean, these smaller schools don't roll in the dough like they do at a Big Ten school. And so even if you have donors like that, it's still, at the end of the day, they're losing millions of dollars over the course of years and years of time. And I don't know anybody who's going to like be investing money on something that is going to continually lose millions of dollars if they, I mean, these guys can throw their money at it if they want, but they're not making it back with their athletic department. So it's kind of like, what are they going to do? Should the they long have, run, I don't, I don't see them. Keeping should up they have it. made the jump to D one? Well, I think it's unfortunate. They've certainly been competitive, you know, especially after the Lamaru sisters or whatever the hell their names were, you know, transferred over there, but, um, and they've got, they've had Olympians and I mean, there's a lot that they've done and they've been competitive. So it is unfortunate from a, a women's college hockey perspective, uh, even though we like to beat them, you know, and everything, it's it's unfortunate because it's not going to help the the game for the the female side. I mean, North Dakota makes twenty five million dollars in annual revenue. You know, they're not looking <laughs> to slice a huge piece of that to fund a women's hockey program. Well, so it's not like it's not like they're poppers. But they also wouldn't be cutting it if they weren't having some serious problems. I mean, you don't, it's such a drastic step to cut any kind of an athletic team. And to, to be doing that, obviously, you have to feel, you have to be feeling the pain. And so, you know, I just don't see throwing more money from alums unless you're going to throw some serious, serious cash. And I don't mean like something to kind of 
bandage the wound for a couple of years, I mean something that's going to be a significant amount. And they're never going to make it back because women's hockey is just not going to make money. So, um, you know, unless they start finding some way to make some serious cash that isn't related to what their current sports is, if there's some kind of a immediate way of doing it. And let's be honest, North Dakota isn't exactly a big media market. So I just don't see how it's going to work there. Well, it's, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the school didn't really think about it too much and they just shut her down today. So I feel mostly, you know, I feel sorry for the players and the coaches that uh, have dedicated a, a lot of time and effort behind this program. So, uh, you know, if, if somebody comes, tries to come in to save it, uh, good for them. But uh, I'm kind of with Hammy. I, I think it's it's done up there in North Dakota. And, and as one of the better programs in the country, uh, that's just not a good thing to see. Um, but, you know, you look at some programs, you know, you look like you look at Michigan and Michigan State, they never created a women's program. I think they felt it was going to be losing proposition from the beginning, so they just never went ahead and did it. Um Unfortunately, it's just it's just how it goes, I guess. You know, you, everyone's cutting budgets. Their budgets are getting cut. You know, the, the money is, is much tighter than it used to be, and and uh, it's just kind of the way it goes, guys. Well, maybe Brock Besser and Tyson, uh, what is it, Jost or whatever, they, those guys can throw some money at it now that they're pros. <laughs> we shall see because, uh, you know, you know, you know, Mr. Besser. Oh, I saw that clip the other day. It just cracked me up. It says, you know, 44 times in three minutes. Yikes. Yikes. All right, guys, we've got a bunch more questions here from Twitter. Let's just go right to the top here. Uh, Brian wants to know, who do you think will be the captains next year? Let's start with you, Viggs. Uh, who's uh, kind of the obvious pick for captains? It's so hard to, to tell what the leadership is like in the room, especially when you have you know, strong veterans like Bischoff and Kloos who, you know, were, were right up front as the leaders. You know, you get the sense that Ryan Lindgren is a respected individual in the locker room. Um, outside of that, it's really hard to tell because um, this team was so dominated by the leadership that they had the last two years. Um, so I'll be, I'll be interested to see what the team decides. Um, I, I know they typically don't release that until uh, later in the summer in situations like this. You know, the coaches want to see who the leaders are in uh, off-season workouts before naming anybody. What do you think about Sheehy, Hammy? Uh, you know, I mean, I, think, I don't think he would be a bad choice. Obviously, he's one of the best players on the team, and uh, you know, but uh, you never know what the intangibles that some of the players bring to the table. I mean. It, it's really hard. I mean, it's about respect from your teammates. And um, so, I, you know, I really don't know. I don't really see anybody who's very young that, you know, I think it would probably be an upperclassman, um, you know, but I really don't know. I mean, I, I, don't, I think it was a little bit easier um, with, with the senior class to kind of know who was going to be amongst the leaders. Um, but I think, like Vig said, because they were such a strong class, um, they didn't necessarily – they weren't necessarily asked to play that role. And so I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think it'll be something that's developed over the next handful of months, you know, in off season workouts and who's going to kind of take the lead and kind of be the player or two that's going to really push the guys to, 
excel, you know, when it's dry land, you know, training and all that stuff. So um, I think that's when we'll find out. Taylor Kearns wants to know if, if there is a coaching move, who are your top three candidates? What do you think, Viggs? I don't think there'll be a coaching move, but uh, who would you like to see uh, lead the team if there were to be a change? Besides the obvious in Gensel. <laughs> well, I mean, that's my obvious choice. Is I, I would like to see Gensel get a shot. You know, he's done such a good job for the program. Uh, when I did my story on him last year, all the players who are alums spoke very highly of him and thought he deserved a chance to be the head coach. And they thought he'd do a very good job. Uh, so I'm, I'm really not one to speculate behind that one. Uh, I think he'd be a, a great individual for the job and put a lot of passion into it. Hammy, anyone besides uh, Gensel pique your interest? Oh, you know, I haven't given it a tremendous amount of thought in that sense. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a case where, you know, it's going to be a few of the, the hot names at the time. I mean, whenever that might be, if it's next year, um, you know, I, I think that obviously they'll go, Gensel will get a very strong look. Um, I think that they'll probably look at some of the other guys that have Minnesota ties, whether they're in the pro ranks or not. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously they'll, I think it's been one of those things where it's going to be a wide net and a lot of feelers put out to see, um, and you know, it's going to be just like it is for college football or, or some of the other sports where you kind of have like your small list of name of, you know, names that are kind of your wish list and you make those conversations. And, um, I think for the Gophers and hockey, of course, there's certainly going to be a, a lot of the people on their wish list that are going to give serious consideration to that because it's, when you know it's the highest paying gig and it's or one of the highest paying gigs that will be whoever's hired next will be the highest paid coach which i have no doubt about that and um obviously there's a lot of great benefits to being coach at the u you have a your pick of uh, a lot of players in the key areas of uh this state so um, it's a nice job to have and i'm sure that they'll have a lot of great uh, choices to to uh, talk to and I think by the end of next season, they're going to have their facilities done as well for not only their team areas, but their strength and condition areas, because that's something that's going to probably happen um, next fall. Once they get through their summer workouts, they'll start the improvements, and, and that's going to help them a lot, kind of get the program back on par with you know their competitors in Wisconsin, North Dakota, or recruits in the area. Personally, I think uh, Genzel is the obvious choice. And, and the reason being is that um, one of the struggles that uh, really Lucia has had, you know, in his tenure is, uh, is unfortunately, he's just not liked very much by his former players. So trying to get those former players, NHL players and more prestigious guys to come in and and make donations to help improve the program has become a difficult task because they're just not big fans of Lucia. Lucia might be a good coach, but they just, um, just, just not very fond of him. Whereas, you know, when you hear about Gensel, uh, you hear nothing but good things and how dedicated, how much they like him. Uh, I'll never forget when, uh, when John Pohl was on the radio talking about Mike Gensel, when Gensel left, and obviously Gensel was coaching the defense, but Paul could not say enough positive things and how much of a 
a loss that was when they lost him as an assistant back a few years ago. So, uh, you know, I think it should be Gensel. Um, I, I think it would help improve, you know, the staleness of the program and also help, you know, just get those older players back in and involved in the program, whether it's donating or just, you know, supporting the team because we just haven't seen much of that in the last 10, 15 years. Well, you listen to Jordan Leopold on Beyond the Pond, and he, you almost feel like he went to Wisconsin the way he talks about <laughs> Minnesota sometimes. And I think Genzel would change that perception. He, he would put a little bit more passion. I think Lucia has earned the right to pick his exit. Um, he's one of the winningest coaches in college hockey history, the winningest coach in Minnesota. Uh, next year with the Frozen Four being at Excel, Casey Middlestat coming in. You know, it could be a great way for him to, to ease out with a championship um, or at least a Frozen Four appearance. But it, it'd be great for the program to get that energy from Genzel. Well, speaking of Middlestead, we had Bed Gorman asking a question similar to that. He goes, with Middlestead on board and the Frozen Four in St. Paul next year, is it unreasonable to think a national title run, Hammy? Well, I mean, I – I said this on GPL. To me, it's going to depend a lot on what we see out of development from that defensive group. Uh, some of those young guys, uh, Sadik and Lindgren and Zulsdorf, I think some of those guys are going to be counted on to take that next step uh, You know, from an offensive defenseman perspective because uh, Collins isn't really that type. Uh, Glover's not going to really be that type. Johnson was brought in to be kind of that type, but he hasn't really shown enough of that yet. Um, so some of these guys are going to be counted on to have to step up. And um, to me, that's going to be the key of the off season is if, if those, some of those guys have great off seasons and really take a, a nice step forward in their um, development, then there is a good chance for that. Cause I think offensively we're going to be strong again um, because I think that, you know, we, we see what we lost, but I think we are bringing back a lot of good players. Um, I think some of the young guys will step it up. And I certainly think Middlestad will be a, uh, an immediate impact kind of a guy, and so will a couple of the other recruits. Uh, um, so I, I think that that's good. I think defense, or excuse me, on goaltending, um, you know, Shearhorn will have some, you know, finally some competition. To and I think that that will certainly improve the goaltending and and pushing those guys. So um, I feel pretty good about what we have up front and what we have in goal. But it's going to matter ultimately. I think it's going to be the defensive group that um, is going to dictate how far this team goes next year. Now, is that competition the, the Robson kid? Because I see a question from Zach Wool here saying, is Robson expected to compete with Shearhorn uh, for starts next season? Uh, definitely, I think he will. I mean, if you look at how he's played, and, you know, the BCHL has, you know, always been kind of a league where you question some of the offensive numbers. But one of the things that they've, I think, generally done over time is they've provided a lot of good goalies for college hockey and, um, you look at this kid's uh, statistics this year, and his performance has been very good. Um, so I, there's no doubt that they're bringing him in with the idea that he's going to, you know, seriously push for um, starting opportunities. And I would imagine that he's going to get a decent chunk of the the starting opportunities next year when he comes in. It's not going to be all shearhorn like it was this year. I, I have no doubt about that. And one one thing about Robson is he's six three, so he's a little bit bigger prototypical goalie than Shearhorn is. Shearhorn's more of an athletic, you know, read the play, challenge the shooter kind of goalie. And I think Robson's going to be a little bit more of a technique sound guy. 
Okay. Well, let's kind of go into expectations for next year. I mean, that's what Taylor Kearns, that's kind of what his follow, uh, follow-up question was. Uh, what are the expectations for next year, Hammy? I mean, this should be another decent team, um, but we should be uh, expecting another step up, don't you think? Well, I mean, obviously the the asterisk you're putting there is, you know, depending on who returns and if we think that everybody's going to return, I think it's going to be a pretty good team. I mean, up front, I do think we have, you know, our top six is going to be potent. I think getting uh, Novak back, I think he'll be healthy. I think you add uh, Middlestad, you add, you know, Reedy and uh, McManus, some of these recruits I think are going to be um, good recruits. Um, I think people pay a little bit too much attention to, statistics and sometimes that's misleading i mean we saw how cammy was you know and that didn't really pan out but then you have other guys that maybe didn't have the greatest numbers and juniors that maybe surprise you a little bit more and so um not that some of our recruits don't have good numbers but it's just a matter of you have to kind of put things into perspective and the opportunities they get and so on and so forth so I, i think that got some good players coming in got some good players returning um just I really believe it's going to come down to what the defensive group does, um, you know, the returning guys and how much they step it up and improve in the offseason. I think that's really going to be the key. Expectations, Viggs? Frozen for a bust. <laughs> I think Amy's hitting it right on the head, though. The, the defensive improvement is going to have to come with the guys already on the roster and Tyler and Annie stepping into a role. Uh, Konepke isn't really much of an offensive guy for, for the development team program. So you're going to look at Glover, uh, Nanny, Sadek, Zulstorf having to take leaps in their game because I think that is the one part that was missing this year with the program was those dynamic defensemen who could turn a three-on-three into a four-on-three. And you just didn't see that a lot this year. You know, Even, even Bischoff is not really a guy who's going to jump up in the rush like that. I think Lindgren got one of his few goals by doing that. So having these young guys pick their spots and be able to do that next year, I think is the key from making this team, you know, an NCAA tournament bid team to a contender for a championship. Yes, but will they be able to get to a Frozen Four if there's no regional here in Minnesota? Well, it sounds like there's (laughs) going to be a regional in Sioux Falls. We'll, We'll find out the bids here in about two weeks. Um, so Sioux Falls could be a destination a little bit farther away from Fargo. So it could be a more even even crowd, hopefully. Who's trying to host that? Is that Omaha or is it North Dakota? Anybody I'm not know? sure who they got as their partner for it, but I know Sioux Falls is very confident that they're, they're going to get one of the regionals. It's not, wouldn't the be bidding bad... process this year was, was pretty cloudy they didn't do public bids like they've done in the past where they put the requirements out there and you know you heard lucia talk about it going in the tournament this year is he's in favor of having the home teams host the first round and while that's not necessarily the favorite to happen it is something that a lot of coaches would like you know that reward for being one of the top eight teams at the end of the year and getting that first round at home so it is a possibility that could come back that's why the bids in the regions aren't set for the next couple of years, just the frozen fours. Yep, I believe sometime in mid-April we'll find out, you know, what the next four uh, frozen four sites and probably at least one more year of regionals. We're not really sure yet, so we'll have to see. Uh, more Twitter questions. Josh Kreitzer wants to know, 
Do you think the team's struggling as much in second periods this year, or what do you think of that? Seems like it was the worst period for them, Hammy. Why why such a struggle in the second period this year? What's going on? I don't know. I mean, it could be the other teams are doing a good job, you know, making that adjustment at that point. Uh, you know, it could be that some of the, the team, you know, just didn't know how to handle success very well. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a combination of possibilities, you know, maybe psychologically let up a little bit when you have a really good start. So, I mean, they, I think it's fair to say they didn't show that they can handle success very well at times. I mean, um, they were fortunate that they, in many instances, would come back and, and win games or, you know, so, um, but yeah, definitely, um, it's a mystery. I mean, you really don't know. It's going to be a combination of things, but I don't think it's any one factor. Why so bad, Viggs? Do you have any clue? Well, I think a little bit is that the team had trouble making that first pass and exit out of their zone. And there were so many situations in the second period where they'd struggled to, to get out of the zone. And then as soon as they did, they were trying to get off too quick. You know, you need that F1 to stay out there and prevent the quick up coming back at you as you make a change. And time and time again, that bit them. Yeah. Uh, so I think you need the defense to, Saturday to step afternoon, up. It, Saturday afternoon, it really bit them. <laughs> well, it bit them a, a lot all season. And that's yeah. a reason why their second periods were so bad is – you know, they just had a lot of situations this year where they, they didn't break out smoothly. And I know a lot of that's on the wings, you know, losing battles along the wall when they get that first pass and not being able to transition out smoothly. Uh, some of the other centers in the lineup not starting out low enough in the zone. You know, that's one of the things that's really underrated about Justin Kluse's game is he starts out, you know, bottom of the circles and gives himself plenty of space to get up to speed. And when they break in the neutral zone, they're flying. You didn't see that so much with the other centers in the lineup. So I think that hurt them a little bit as well. Non-Gap, kind of a strange name, wants to know, seems like the East Coast is producing much more high-end youth talent than than here in Minnesota. Uh, Is Minnesota falling behind, Viggs? I don't think they're falling behind because look at Middlestad. He's going to be a top-ten pick this year. I think the one thing that's happening with hockey is it's growing. It's not as regional as it used to be. You've got guys like Austin Matthews who come out of Arizona. Uh, There are just more good college hockey players being developed these days. And so I think that's more of it than anything. Um, And Minnesota hasn't produced a ton of talented forwards. Most of their talent has been defensemen the last decade or so. So I think that factors into it as well. Those guys aren't going to be as flashy in statistics. There, there aren't too many defensemen winning homie bakers these days. Well, maybe it's just an East Coast bias, huh, Hammy? No, I mean, I, <laughs> look, I, the reality is that it's just one of those things where you're going to have various years. It's going to ebb and flow. I mean, some birth years are going to be really strong in your state. Some aren't going to be as strong. I mean, we only had, for instance, five guys from Minnesota that went off to the national team development program camp. And um, so, I mean, it wasn't like a banner year in that respect um, for Minnesota. So, I mean, it, but other years, you know, you have twice that many guys, you know? So, I mean, I don't think it's going to be, uh, you can't take one snapshot in time and say it's this or that or whatever. It's definitely going to be a situation where, you know, Minnesota, generally speaking, is going to be one of the top talent producers, 
even with the game expanding. And uh, but there's going to be certain birth years that aren't going to be as good as other years. And you know, I'm, uh, I think that some of those Eastern schools did a good job recruiting. Um, uh, you see, like a BU, for instance. I mean, they got some Minnesota kids on that team. So um, I, I don't think it's anything having to do with any kind of regional talent base. I just think it's you know, sometimes it's going to be an Eastern team. Sometimes it's not going to be so much that. So, Tyler wants to know, uh, you guys think there's anything to the Mr. Hockey finalist list and only one of them committed to the U? Hammy, is there anything to that list? And there, should we be concerned that uh, only one of them is coming to the U? No. <laughs> well, there you go. But, I mean, you know, this is, this, I mean, the reality is, is this isn't 20, 25 years ago where – everybody pretty much stayed home with very few exceptions. And I mean, if you looked at the Mr. Hockey finalist list from 20 or 25 years ago, it was like a who's who of, you know, guys who went on to be really, really good players nowadays. I mean, a lot of guys, you have guys going off to the national team or USHL, um, you know, in some instances they might even go on be going to another junior league. And so um, I don't really see it. I mean, if you really think about it, Middlestead, he could have played USHL this year. He could have, I mean, hell, he could have played for the Gophers. You know, they were trying to get him to play at the U. So um, I, I don't really think it has anything to do with that at all. I just think it, some years you have more of your recruits staying home to play college hockey than others. And um, it's not like it was 20 years ago where pretty much all your recruits, from a Gopher perspective, were just going to stay in high school hockey and, and uh, you would have half you know, the list being, you know, the finalists being go for recruits. Well, um, obviously we've, the season's come to an end here, guys. Um, boy, um, a hundred and almost 120 days until the season starts again. So we got our six months off, but, uh, uh, we kick off the season with, I believe, the icebreaker tournament up in Duluth and, you know, like first weekend of October. So we've got that to look forward to. And, and, uh, Viggs, are you going to try to attend that? Yeah, I'm going to try to make it up for the weekend. I, I hope the snow isn't flying yet in Duluth, so I can get a couple <laughs> rounds in at Northland uh, Country Club while I'm up there. I have a friend who's a member, so hopefully we're still friends in October. <laughs> and as far as we know, the, 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 the schedule is, 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 uh, is set already. I mean, we, well, we don't know the, ex- the exact dates yet, but you know, we do know that uh, the future schedule is, is full next year. We're not waiting on anything. Um, you know, we've got, uh, let me see, we've got, you know, we've got North, we've got UMD, Michigan Tech and Union up the icebreaker. You know, we've got a series with UND, Clarkson, a home and home with St. Cloud, a home and home with, uh, Mankato, the classic. And then we've got, uh, obviously another team coming into the big 10 next year. So instead of 20 games, we've got 24 games. So it's a full schedule next year, Hammy. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, you know, I mentioned when we made the conference changes that I was going to like was, you know, some of the flexibility and the non-conference scheduling. And obviously when you start to add a team to the mix, there's four less non-conference games that you're going to have an opportunity to play. So, um, you know, they're still going to get more opportunities than they used to, but it's, it's shrinking a little bit and uh, it'll be interesting if they add any other teams down the road, but uh, we know they won't be next year. So, um, but I'm, I'm excited. You know, I think, we saw a big improvement in the Big Ten this year. Uh, Wisconsin stepping up. I think Ohio State showed flashes. Uh, Penn State certainly was a good team throughout most of the year. 
Um, and they're heading the right direction. You add Notre Dame. Uh, the Gophers are pretty strong. You know, Michigan, I don't know what's going to happen there with the coaching situation, but, um, you know, they're certainly a, a program that's capable of rebounding quickly. And Michigan State, we'll see who, you know, they end up, uh, you know, with the entire staff and what they bring to the table. So I think there's a lot to look forward to, and uh, I think it'll be an you know, interesting season next year. Any thoughts on that, Viggs? You know, our future schedule is pretty full next year. It's looking like a pretty good schedule to me. Yeah, I'm pleased to see that they're going to be an icebreaker, and, and with North Dakota on the schedule, it should be fun, and I'm glad to see that they still have the home-and-homes with St. Cloud and, and Minnesota State. I think the Big Ten will be interesting next year. You know, Michigan's going to be better. We'll see what happens with Red uh, and the coaching job there. But Michigan State finally has made a move for their coaching staff, so hopefully that turn program can turn around. I think the Big Ten is going to get better. We'll see what happens with the atmosphere at Mariucci next year. I think that's <laughs> going to be an important thing for Mark Coyle to take a look at. You're seeing the energy that they are putting into their football program right now with P.J. Fleck really engaging the community, having open practices, you know, making a lot of rounds around businesses and events in the Twin Cities. You saw some of that last year with Gopher Hockey getting more involved with their season ticket holders and providing an extra benefit to them. So I, I think we're going to see some new things that develop some atmosphere at the rink. It's going to be an elite atmosphere. Oh, boy. I just saw Vigo use that word on a tweet, and I'm already pissed off. <laughs> hey, elite. you want to you do elite things? Surround uh, yourself with elite people. Oh, geez, elite this, elite that. I'm already bored with elite. You want to go to the garbage dump? Hang out with garbage. Elite garbage? We go to elite garbage dump then. Is that any better? (laughs) I don't know. I'm just just getting a little sick of the elite being shoved down our throat. Win some games first, then we'll start calling you elite. Hey, as soon as he starts winning games, you're going to be going elite. Uh, I'm not going to be using the word elite. Sorry. Not going to be me. Not going to happen, boys. Oh, well. Well, it was another good season for the podcast. Don't you think, guys? Oh, yeah, you were you, okay host, I suppose. Oh, jeez. Well, I don't know. Nate Welsh just says, I should fire Jupe. <laughs> well, thanks, Nate. Appreciate that. Congrats on a show where you didn't hit mute and start talking. Wow. Right? Well, I'm sorry. They've got a nice actual broadcast studio that they get to use. But uh, they actually have to drive into KSTP and do it, and we can just do it from our, our home. So don't think that's going to change because this is a lot more convenient. And we do it live. Why don't you start doing it live, Nate? <laughs> We're just having fun with you, Nate. We'll get you on early Flubs and all. Yeah, flubs and all. Swear words. We'll drop an F-bomb once in a while here, though I, sh- I got me in trouble once. So we'll see. We were much – I think we were better behaved this year. Speaking personally, I think I was better yeah. behaved. I didn't. Well, it was a better curse, season too. I didn't really curse anybody out, you know, for a player. Yeah, but so it was, I was I was better this year. You know, our well, attitude goes them. as our attitude goes. The team usually goes. So you were going to say something? Well, we, we we know we know it's not your predictions. Oh, my predictions suck, and I don't because care. Because every week it's sweep and oh, it doesn't happen. So, well, I I yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> were you gonna say something there Viggs well the Gophers played better they were in the yeah. top 16 of the pairwise the entire season and ended up with the number one seed as much as people want to 
a bitch about what's going on with the program. Pretty successful to win all those conference titles consecutively. Yeah, they had, you know, six in a row, and they'll be going for seven next season. Um, we want to thank you for listening to our podcast. You know, a lot of you loyal listeners and people listening live every week, and uh, we'll be back next fall, you know, probably the week before or the, the Wednesday before they start the icebreaker in early October there. Um, so we appreciate you guys listening. You guys got anything else left to say, Hammy? No, I'm looking forward to the off season. Get a little bit of a you know a breather. Get our win back <laughs> and uh, start up again next year. I think it'll be a good season. So I'm look, I'm looking forward to it. But yes, I need a little golf course time, a little sun. Uh, I'm guessing you need the same, don't you, Viggs? Yeah, but I'm I'm looking forward to the Les Bolstad course opening on Friday, and I hope to get out there soon. Before <laughs> the Frozen Four, I'll, I'll post an article here, hopefully on the scan ticket data. And on some coaching contracts and across college hockey. That was I was kind of wondering if you were going to be doing that because I know there was some quite a few games where scan tickets was extremely low this season. So uh, I will be interested well, have, to see that they have ten more days to respond to my request before they break their Ooh. legal responsibilities. <laughs> I'm sure they'll get back to you. They they always do, don't they? They they don't like it, but they do so. Well, that's it for this this season for the GPL podcast. You know, obviously it didn't end the way we wanted to for our team, but uh, next year is just a hundred and however many days, what 119 days away or something like that. So uh, we thank you for listening. We'll be back sometime in October. Thanks for listening.